We have a lot of current headlines that are going on around the world, and if you kept up with, keep up with the news, you're going to see some things that will some, somewhat terrify you. If you get to heaven too good a day, just watch the news, and you'll, you'll get over that pretty quick, usually. But we know that uh, Trump just announced that he's moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. Barry, that's kind of a big deal. Is that prophetic? Is it symbolic? Uh, we'll see what Scripture says. We've got the North Korean threat at any moment. We don't know, you know, with the crazies in lead, what's going to happen in that world. If you've been keeping up this past week, Middle East, new levels of disturbance. Iran is rioting. All kinds of stuff is happening in our, in our current headlines. Uh, you have the ISIS situation with now lone wolves that are going across the world uh, creating terror. We're hearing about uh, a one world or a concept of cashless society. Bitcoin, bit, is it Bitcoin? Bitcoin is getting ready to, you see that rising and people are putting money and even investing into that being a digital type of currency. So are these things signs that we are coming to the end of the world? We've been hearing about even, I mean, as far back as... Uh, George Bush the first of the one world, the desire for moving all countries back to a one world form of government. So it's not something new, but we see that coming about. So the question is, how will we know when we're coming close to the end of, the, of an earth age? And do we want to even look at that? Those are some of the questions. I want you to get in your Bibles or your phones and go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to base this series out of Thessalonians, but I will be using uh, several other references throughout Scripture as we walk through this series together. And if you will, when you find that, let's stand as we read it in honor. I know we've had you up and down a bunch, but you come here for exercise as well, correct? This way you don't have to join a gym. All right. Here, we're going to start reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. That's where we're going to start. Now, brothers, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people, and this word, this word people is referring to those who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Now, many of us stopped there, and we heard the message, we won't know. It's like a thief in the night. But would you read with me just a little bit more, and it changes the story. Here's what it says. But you brothers, followers of Jesus, are not in darkness, so that this day should so that this day should surprise you like a thief. In other words, it's not going to surprise you if you're awake, if you're paying attention. You are the sons of light and the sons of day. We do not belong to the night nor to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert, self-controlled. Lord, we ask you to take your word, and I've been praying, Lord, that you bring my thoughts in my mind, in these words that I'll be speaking here for a few moments, directly in 
correlation to your word and to your spirit. And ask you, Lord, as we're speaking through these issues in our day, that you will work in each of our hearts a work of preparation for your return, a work of uh, conviction to the, the work of evangelism that we've been called to do. And Lord, I pray that we would not be asleep, that you would help us to be awake and ready. And I pray, Lord, the scriptures that we'll be reading during this season will help us to wake up to the signs that are about us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today we're going to embark on a study. It's fairly big, and I will only be hitting some mountaintops. There are certain types of folks who give all of their life to the study of prophecy, and they go deep, and they go wide, and they go long into everything connected to it. I will not be going that deep just because there's so much to cover, uh, but it will be an intense study, and I'm gonna, it will require that you have an active mind. No passive listening, I, I think, in this series to begin to get an understanding what I believe personally we will walk through in our day, that we will be walking through with our li- in our lifetime. In the bulletin, you got a note sheet. I'm, when I, in a moment, I'm going to get over to Matthew 24, a very familiar passage. And I'm going to just hit the seven major signs that Jesus told us about in that passage when, when we get there in just a moment. So you can be preparing yourself. So with this note sheet, I'm going to ask you to be like the Bereans. It says this about the Bereans in Acts 17, verse 11. Listen, here's what I want you to do. They received the message to understand, uh, excuse me, they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see that if what Paul was saying was true. I don't consider myself a Paul, but I will tell you, I'm going to ask you to take notes, study these scriptures to make sure that we're understanding what God says. Now during this series, I'm going to hit some of these topics in the next few weeks. Today we're going to look at the signs that identify uh, the time of the end. Next week we're going to look at the calling away, when the church or the believers will be called out. We're going to talk the third week about the coming one world ruler that we would know as the Antichrist. On February the 4th, a challenging one is the great deception. There is a great deception. Scripture talks about that is coming. Uh, On the the 11th, we're going to look at the time frame that you may want to put into your deeper understanding of prophecy to see how the, the feasts and the festivals of Israel, if you notice, several of them have occurred in the life of Jesus and there's... There's a few at the end that have not been fulfilled. I want you to pay attention. We'll, you'll be seeing that the work of God will fall upon these feast and festival dates. Because God is a God of order. And you'll begin to see these things happening. We're going to February 18th. What happens after there is the calling away? What happens here after the church is removed? Then the last one. The understanding the six parts of the year of tribulation. Or the... The 70th week of Daniel, if you will. Talking about seven years. We'll look at, there's, in scripture you'll be able to find some, identify about six different steps within that last seven years. So that's what we're going to be looking at for the next several weeks. So uh, study ahead, look ahead, pray, and come prepared. In, I want to talk now just more recent history. In 1948, 
That's 70 years ago to today, to this year. 70 years ago to this year, something occurred which was very significant that had not happened in over 2,000 years. Back when Israel was disciplined by the Lord and was scattered among the nation as an ado- uh, um, divorced out of covenant with him, he scattered him throughout the nation. 70 years ago this year, they became back and became a nation again in Israel. That's very significant in the time frame of what we're looking at. David Ben-Gurion proclaimed that the new state of Israel, as the British withdrew control of that area, he established the first Jewish state in 2,000 years. Ben-Gurion was the Israeli first prime minister uh, in this latter part. Then on May 20th, 1967, many of you as adults would remember this, this is 19 years later after it was established. The defense minister of, Israel, of Syria, an enemy of Israel, said this, quote, Our forces are now entirely ready to explode the Zionist presence uh, in the Arab homeland. I, as a military man, believe that the time has come to enter into a battle of annihilation. That was Syria speaking of Israel. They said, we're ready to wipe them out. Ten days later, the Egyptian president, Nasser, said, The armies of Egypt, Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon are poised on the borders of Israel to face the challenge. While standing behind the armies of Iraq, Algeria, Kuwait, Sudan, and the whole Arab nation. This act, he said, will astound the world. He was saying, we're going to wipe Israel off. They think they can come back. They're not. We're going to wipe them out. And this is when you'll remember. Remember the Six-Day War? You adults will remember that. I was young enough to not really understand what was happening at the time. But, oh, man, this is huge. All of, the, all of the Islamic nations were gathered around to destroy Israel. And then we have this historical event of the Six-Day War. This Israeli army defeated that massive Islamic coalition in six days. That was, wow. Can you imagine that? First time in 2,000 years being attacked by all of the Islamic world. Six days they took over Jerusalem for the first time in 2,000 years. It's amazing how God showed himself strong at that time. That fulfilled, I believe, what it says in Luke chapter 21, verses 24. It says, they, meaning the Jews will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all of the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So, I believe that this historical event that just happened in our history, recent history, was the ending of the time of the Gentiles. We're coming to the end of the time of the Gentiles. And that's significant in history. Basically, it means we're drawing close to the end, the end of the church age. Luke 21, verse 29 through 33, Jesus told this story, and he's referring to signs uh, that we're to be looking at in these days. Look at the fig trees and all the trees, Jesus said. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is near. He's saying, look at nature, you'll be able to tell when it's getting spring 
and it will because things are going to start coming to life. Even so, when you see these things happening, you will know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation, the generation that sees this, uh, these signs will not pass away until all of these things have happened. Do you understand what that means? If we are the ones that have seen this, the end of the age of the Gentiles, the signs that were coming, he says this generation will not pass away until we see these things happening. A biblical generation is considered approximately 70 years by most. So if the countdown began 70 years ago with the reestablishment of Israel, this is the 70th year since that time. Remember, Jesus said, this generation will not pass away until all of these things have happened. Now, let's, if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 24. All you prophet buffs will know this passage very well. Very important passage that Jesus spoke, answering the question of what, what are we going to look, what's it going to look like, what should we be looking for and I'm not going to just start and read that chapter, but what I am going to do is I'm going to walk us through the seven, I believe identified seven signs for the Lord to say, pay attention. Now he says, now when you see these things, don't be worried and don't, uh, don't get too upset because he said these are still birth pains. These are still birth pains. Uh, it's not time for the delivery of the baby, but you're, you're getting ready for the delivery. And see, these are some of the signs that we will see. Look at verses 4 and 5. This is deception. We're going to spend a whole week on a coming deception. And the scripture, I don't know, and we'll play around this with some ideas and thoughts on that day. But the deception is coming. It says that it will be so incredibly good or uh, so powerfully deceptive that even the elect will be tempted to be drawn away and enticed. He said, if it were possible. So whatever is coming is going to be bigger than we are expecting or anticipating when it comes to a spiritual de deception that's coming in the days ahead of us. All right, here's the deception. It says, be careful that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah and will lead many astray. So there is, there is one that's coming. We know that the spirit of this has been here all of the time. But there is one coming that will say, basically tell us, I am the Messiah. The one you heard about before was wrong. I am the Messiah. And he will deceive many. Uh, we see it in smaller forms. I think we see it in our day in a consumer form of Christianity that we've been selling. A consumer form of Christianity is, a, a type of Christianity is the way I want it the way I want it. I want it the length I want it. And I want it the cost that I want it to cost me. And, I, and I'm going to make Jesus in my own image. It's a deception. And many are building churches on that deception. But what I'm telling you is Jesus didn't come to make us happy. He's, he came to redeem us and then make us warriors for a kingdom. To represent him on a falling earth, to be light, to be salt, to make, to make a difference in this world, to possess until he comes. 
He didn't call us to come to and create our own little environments that we're happy. Matter of fact, when I know more, the more I read of Scripture, it doesn't necessarily make me happy. It convicts me. It puts me on my knees in repentance. Do you see what I'm saying? A deception can be a Christianity that we've shaped into our image to please us. Verse 6 and 7. He said there will be wars and conflicts. That's pretty much my whole lifetime hearing all of that. It's not getting any better. As Mr. Trump calls him rocket man and he or I don't know what they're doing. Which we don't know. Verse 6 and 7 says this. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars yet... Don't be alarmed, for this must happen, but it is not yet the end. For nation is going to rise up against nation, and kingdoms against kingdoms. So that will probably increase. Verse 7. Natural disasters and famines. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. I heard a report yesterday that they're uh, predicting to be that 2018 will be the most intensive earthquake year in history. I just heard that from a presentation this past week. Verse 4, I mean, uh, verse 9, excuse me. There's going to be a growing persecution against Jewish people. It says, then they will hand you over to be persecuted and will kill you. You will be hated by all of the nations because of my name. Do you understand that the Jewish nation is hated by every nation except the United States? We got into doubt about that over the last eight years back. We got into question whether we were going to stand with Israel or not. But we're the only nation that has the rest of the world, and you'll see it all the time, has a hatred, a guttural hatred for Jewish people. And I don't, I, I don't even know why, other than that's what the Scripture says it's going to be. I do believe that that will wash over into Christianity. As a matter of fact, you know... Um, this past two years with ISIS, that they were killing Christians everywhere possible. Beheading them where they put it on the news, right? Remember? And that, or you could go to Facebook and see what they were doing to those who claim the name of Christ. I mean, killing uh, hundreds and thousands. So we know it's going to happen away from here, but you also see the spirit of it in America, don't you? You can talk about God all you want, but you mention the name of Jesus and you got trouble. Matter of fact, they would say if you go, if many would be sent to Washington, D.C. to make a prayer, to say a prayer over a Congress event or some event, and they would tell them, you can name God, but do not declare Jesus. If I remember correctly, that Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man will come to the Father except through Him. Yes? So we cannot hide the name or shirk from the name of Jesus. He is the door. He is the way. Verse 29. says, there will be signs in the heavens. Not sure what all this means. The sun will be darkened. And the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the heaven. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Whatever this is will be very, very significant. Whatever creates this environment to make this thing happen, and this is just one of the birth pains, one of the signs that, was to, that we're to be awake for. Then look at uh, verse 37 through 39. 
the return to the days of Noah. It says, as it was in the days of Noah. So it will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and swept them all away. So shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Isn't that interesting? A little bit perplexing as about the days of Noah. If you'll remember the story, not long after God created man, Adam and Eve, and placed them on the earth, uh, that mankind quickly headed towards self-rule or self-destruction. I mean, it didn't take long from to go from walking with God in, the, in this place, this place of Eden, and in a condition that sin was not there. So these bodies, or their bodies, were not weakened by generations of sin and disease and death. I, don't, I can't even imagine, honestly, what those bodies were like back in those days. But they were there, and you know um, pretty quickly they rebelled against the will of God or the Word of God and began a downward slide unto our day. Following Adam and Eve's example of rejecting God's instructions, humanity became more hostile and more corrupt. And it has not slowed down, has it? Here's what it says in Genesis chapter 6, a very significant passage about this particular issue about in the days of Noah. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Chapter 6, verse 5, Genesis. And because of that, God said, that he said, I was at, he, the words he used was that he was sorry that he created man. It says that in verse 6. And he told Noah, here's what he said to Noah. The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. That's verse 13 of chapter 6, Genesis. Now, I'm going to talk about the possibility of some of the motive behind of the destruction of the people at the time of Noah. And it goes back to chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. You need to mark it down and read it because this is all this is talking about the days of Noah and the situation of Noah that created this desire in God's heart to wipe out mankind. Because it says in chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, when the Nephilim... Giants, Goliath, remember? That's the giants that, that Israel saw when they were going into the land of promise. They were going to go in and possess the land. It says that they were giants and we looked like grasshoppers in comparison. Alright, so the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Just strange, weird thoughts, how this, what was happening here. Haven't you ever messed with this and thought about this? What, is, what in the world is happening here? But we do know this, that evil was reproducing itself. And it was overtaking all, all of man. And it's, it's the most merciful act that God could think about dealing with this 
was the, to annihilate all of, this, all of this humanity except one family that was not corrupted. Just one. Noah's family. Then it's, I, did you hear what it says? The, I believe that the human bloodline had been corrupted by the sons of God, which are demonic fallen angels, demonic beings. And they fell, and it says that they saw the daughters of men, and it says they went into them and they bore children to this fallen angel, which created a, a, a corrupted human DNA. And it began to spread throughout all of, all of the land. And their offspring were the Nephilim and the giants. And could it be that this was the reason that God says, I have to wipe this, this population out? Because it is no longer all human. It has now intermingled its DNA into becoming something that God did not create. Very interesting thought. If you tie the first part of Genesis 1 through the end of that chapter... That all of that is in the same place. So it's an interesting concept. So as it pertains in our day, it means if that were true, then in our day, there would be a great move toward transhumanism. And if you do, if you're reading and studying and seeing anything about science, it's everywhere. The concept through implantation or chemical adjustment, the concept of transforming human beings to become some, something much greater than we are. Military is researching it all the time, how to make the human warrior so much better than we have become. So the potential is that would be one of the signs he's talking about as in the days of Noah. Another, another way of thinking about it would be um, as in the day of Noah, the growing sinfulness of man and the rejection of God. If we took it just that, 1 Timothy <coughs> chapter 3, verses 1-4, through 4, let's look at those together says this, this is what it will be like in the last days. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, losing authority. Teachers will say amen to that. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's just a couple of options to look at how, what it was like in the days of Noah. And we see all of those things happening. Then the last one I want to deal with today, the last sign of Matthew. Going back there, Matthew verses uh, 15 through 21. The rebuilt temple of Jerusalem. In prophecy, this is a very significant event when this occurs. As of today, if you're aware of anything, it has not happened. The temple has not been rebuilt. But here's what it says. Jesus spoke these words. So when you see standing in the holy place, if you know the temple or the design of the temple, you have the outer court, Court of the Gentiles, same thing, same name. Then you've got the holy place, which it says this will be standing. And then inside the holy place, you have the holy of holies, which was the presence of God. The Ten Commandments and all those were, were in this uh, Ark of the Covenant seat there. So 
So when you see standing in the holy place, that's the center of the temple area, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea, that means the Jerusalem area, flee, run immediately to the mountains. This believe this is what I believe begins the last three and a half years of the last week of Daniel's last week. The last three and a half years, uh, I believe, are called the Great Tribulation. The abomination that causes desolation, spoken through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand, let them, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof go into his house to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his coat. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers that are in Jerusalem during this period. Pray that your flight will not take place in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. In the last three and a half years of the seven is the judgment of God. And if you'll read through that, you'll see that not much of this earth is left by the end of that three and a half years when that begins to happen. Now, it uses this term, abomination of desolation, very significant event in our future. And what's going to happen at that time is that the Antichrist will be, become more brave. At the beginning of the seven years, you won't, you'll, he'll not take this position. It just says he'll come as a man of peace. He'll bring some order to chaos, probably make finances or economy begin to work effectively again in the first three and a half years because it says people will begin to say peace and safety. It's all good now when this ruler begins to take up its lead. He'll first three and a half years will begin to set up things that make it look good. But at that in the midpoint of that last seven years, this Antichrist the Islamic people call him the Messiah. But the Antichrist will set himself up in a rebuilt temple in the, in, the, in the holy place. And he will declare, I am God. I am, I think you'll probably say, I am Jesus. I am Jesus. And everything you've known before now was not true. I am your God. And he, then he will require or declare that people worship him. And at that point, that last, it triggers the last three and a half years. Of which, I don't believe if you're a follower of Jesus, you will not be here to see. You will not be a part of it. Thank the Lord. I, I personally believe that we'll be called out before that, that great time. Because it said in that passage, Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountain, for there will be a, and another translation, is the great tribulation. And it's never occurred before and will never occur again, this, this event that's about to happen in our future. The next three and a half years is going to be terrible. Let me tell you three things that the Scripture says. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 22, if those days had not been shortened, no flesh would have been saved. Revelation, John said in chapter 12, verse 6, indicates that God will miraculously nourish hundred and for a hundred and excuse me, one thousand two hundred and sixty days, which is three and a half years, he will nourish his people, the Jews that fled from the Antichrist, 
although they have not accepted the Messiah yet, the Lord is going to pro protect them and provide for them for that three and a half years. Revelation 11 indicates this time period because corresponds to the holy city being trampled down for 42 months. Again, three and a half years. This will be the demarcation of the beginning of the great tribulation, the last three and a half years. The demarcation is when the Antichrist sets himself up as God. And then, then the judgment of God falls on the planet. Know this. Daniel, here I want you to mark this. Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 through 27. Know and understand this. This is the Old Testament prophet looking forward in our day. From the issuing of the decree, which I believe is the peace treaty or the, the peace agreement that will be signed at the, to mark the last seven years. And by the way, our current government's working on that very radically. Kushner, which is the son-in-law of the president, is almost devoting his full time to try to get an agreement of peace with Israel and the Palestinians. So just keep an eye on it. Because I'm telling you, when that thing is signed, all bets are off concerning what we have planned for a church. Because at that point, it's going, it, you're going to have to go get them kicking and screaming to bring people to the Lord. Because at that point, there's seven, there's seven last years on the earth at the signing of that false peace treaty. That's the mark. That demarks the last seven when that peace treaty is signed. So keep an eye on it. All right, Daniel 29, excuse me, 9, 25. Know and understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Jesus, that's the anointed one is Jesus, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens, 49 years, and 62 sevens, which is 434 years, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. Now this is referring back to the first 49 years was when uh, Nehemiah, when I first came and we were preparing to move, remember we studied through Nehemiah? It took them 49 years. So that was the 49 years to establish or rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. Then it says, and the next phrase is that 62 sevens, and that's the period of, the t of time between that and the time that Jesus came the first time. And was crucified. So that period of time is behind us. Um, and if you'll remember, he did not come that time as the king. Remember Israel and all the Jews missed him because that's what they thought? Coming as the military king ruler to set up his kingdom. And so they missed him with that concept. And so when he came this time, how did he come? As king and ruler? Came as a lamb. To be sacrificed. So his first coming at that point was simply to pay for our sin. Which is amazing. Next time he comes, he will not be a lamb. He will come as the king of kings and the lord of lords. And he is going to establish his kingdom here. And it's going to blow your mind. Because he said it's not entered into your, the heart of man what he has prepared. For those who have given their trust in him. Daniel chapter 9. I'm going to close this down. Are you 9.26? That's where I'm at. The people of the ruler, that's the Antichrist, 
who will come will destroy the city, that's Jerusalem, and the sanctuary, in other words, the rebuilt temple, he's going to tear it down again, and the end will come like a flood. War is going to continue to the end, and desolations have been decreed. That's the judgments of God. He, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant, a false peace treaty, with many for one seven, which is that last seven years. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination. So we have New Testament and Old Testament people saying the same thing that's going to be happening. An abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Revelation chapter 13, just talking about the same thing and I'm closing. Because of the signs, he, a religious false prophet, in other words, there's a lot to say in there. Um, as the Antichrist comes, there is going to be a religious leader that partners with him. A false prophet. The Antichrist will be the political, military leader. The false prophet will be a religious leader. And so, uh, that's what it's talking about here. When, uh, Because of the signs... He, a religious false prophet, was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, the Antichrist. He deceived the inhabitants of the earth. So this prophet, religious prophet, is going to be able to do incredible, miraculous signs. I believe that he will mimic and or mock every sign Jesus ever did. Every miracle Jesus ever did. And so that's going to be a big part of this final deception. Because this guy's going to come down here and you're going to watch him do stuff on, on television that you cannot imagine that there is that much power to do. His power will not be of, of God, but will be of the Antichrist. He ordered them to set up an image. Okay, yeah. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. I, we don't know, except that this is a possibility. An event where this Antichrist figure has received some kind of a wound where he dies or appears to die. And then he comes back in resurrection again to mimic Jesus, right? To come back, over, overcome death. He, the false prophet, was given power to give breath to the image, which is going to be probably in the temple mount, of the first beast. So that it can speak and it causes all who refuse to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. That's what Daniel, that's what John wrote in Revelation. So we, get, we got a lot of things getting ready to happen in our future. Some terrifying things, challenging things, difficult things. You know, we're, good, we're looking for a peace treaty. When I'm, we're looking in signs ahead. Because almost all of the Matthew 24 signs are occurring and have been for quite a while. So the last days, most all of our lives have been in the very last of the last days. And so we have that behind us. And then we, we also, we're going to watch for that peace treaty. And then we're going to watch for the rebuilding. I believe that will be a part of the peace treaty. The rebuilding of the temple. I believe this ruler is going to say, well, you, can, you can have, 
some part of the mount. I don't know for sure how, but you will, they will be able to rebuild that temple. Let me read what one of the Jewish guys wrote from, from Israel. His name is Jonathan Burness. The Temple Institute, an ultra-Orthodox organization, is working to rebuild the temple right now and to train priests to serve there. The Institute is one of dozens of groups that are currently working to rebuild the temple and reinstitute its sacrifices. As we started today on this journey that we're going to call the Survivor's Guide to the End of the World, we've looked at Matthew 24 and the seven signs. These signs are there because it says this. Remember, the first part of Thessalonians says he's going to come like a thief in the night. But the second part, what I read this is, but you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. In other words, you should not be surprised. We will be able to see the activities and the events of God working out before us. Again, I want to tell you, this, I'm, we're going through this. I have no desire to scare you because anytime the Lord revealed himself through angels or his word, he says, don't be afraid. If you're, in him, if you're in covenant with him, don't be afraid. But I do, he says, I do want you to know what's going to happen. What it is actually is a map to the end of the age. You'll be, he's laid out for us a road map. It should motivate you to re-energize your pursuit of him alone. Not your pursuit of the kind of uh, Christianity you want. But your pursuit of him and him alone. As Lord of our life. It's got to motivate us to intentionally give more effort. In attempting to lead people to know Jesus. And if you don't know him. It really needs to motivate you. Give your heart to him. He says today. While it is still time. Motivate. What he's meaning by that. There's coming a time that will not be available. But while it is time, if you're not clear or sure about your relationship with the Lord, he says, get it nailed down now. So I want you to just be praying and considering that. Let's pray together.